Hello, everybody, and welcome to VegCast, a full menu from first to last, VegCast. As always, I'm Vance, and I'll be your host, VegCast, a full menu from first to last, VegCast. And on this, the third VegCast, we have another full menu. We have our first book review, a review of Vegan Freak. We have a sound seeing tour that turns into a kind of uh, vegetarian podcast challenge. We have some fun music from Heidi Howe and a song from Green Beings, my own band. And uh, we also have this episode's Science Fact. All of that and more on VegCast. Well, this is the first VegCast to be recorded after Hurricane Katrina struck the Gulf Coast of uh, the United States. Um, I was just finishing up coding the last one uh, when that hurricane was coming in, so could not address what turns out to be probably the worst natural disaster in American history. Uh, And I don't know that I have much to add. Uh, There's been a lot of stuff said uh, by a lot of people, but if it makes any difference to you to hear a podcaster tell you to give your money to the American Red Cross, who are doing some wonderful work. Uh, helping the people down there that have been devastated, then I will say it. Give your money to the Red Cross. Okay. Um, There have been, of course, many stories coming out of this uh, having to do with animals and people. uh, the, The situation with people and their pets has been heartbreaking in some cases, uplifting in others. Uh, there have also been uh, at least one story of a an entire neighborhood that was uh, overrun with carcasses from a slaughterhouse. But um, I don't want to get into those stories and issues really right now. Um, while we're still kind of in the midst of everything, maybe in a later podcast we'll look back at that. Uh, later in this podcast we will be talking about uh, water a little bit uh, as uh, we play a song that has to do with that. Um, and that certainly kind of takes off from the flooding situation down there. But for now, I would like to uh, just turn us on a lighter note to a, uh, a fun song by Heidi Howe, the country singer, country star to those of us uh, in the vegetarian community, I, I think I can say. And she's uh, got a great song. A fun song called Friends for Dinner, which you're going to hear right now. When I went to spend the weekend out at my friend Casey's farm, I met the roosters in the field and the ducklings in the barn.
people say you're a vegetarian Well don't you even eat fish And Then they see the multitude of awesome veggie food That I can put in my dish Yeah, I used to chow on the pigs and cows I just thought of them as meat But now I see they do have feelings too and just uh, flips them, subverts them into a fun song that uh, gets its point across very nicely. And uh, Heidi Howe is in the process of adopting a baby. Uh, she is actually going to have a big baby fest if you happen to be in the Louisville, Kentucky area. Uh, the details, there will be uh, live bands, auctions, and so forth. This is going to be September 25th from 6 to midnight at the Phoenix Hill Tavern in Louisville to raise money for the baby's adoption. And uh, if you're not in that area but you just want to support her, uh, please go to HeidiHow.com and uh, why not buy a CD, you know? Heck, buy a few CDs. At any rate, now we are going to turn to our sound singing tour of Chinatown in Philadelphia, which turns into a four-vegan restaurant challenge, as will be explained in the sound clip I'm about to play. This uh, dates back to a uh, conference that we had here in 2002 uh, on... Asian uh, plant-based nutrition, which I wrote up for Philadelphia City Paper, and uh, I had to research these uh, restaurants, and the restaurant that we start out at, uh, called New Harmony, uh, is a new version of Harmony Vegetarian, which was started by the Tang family, and which is now run by Mr. Ming, uh, and 
if you want more of the history of these restaurants and uh, Chinatown and so forth, uh, that is available in that article, which uh, will be linked from our show notes at vegcast.com. At any rate, let's get into the uh, the sound seeing here, and just to make sure that you can follow along easily, at the moment that I touch each front door of each of these four restaurants, there will be a helpful cheesy gong sound effect. And when we get to the end of it, uh, I'll be back with more. Let's hear what's going on with our Chinatown sound seeing tour. All right, I just touched the door of New Harmony Vegetarian Restaurant at 135 North 9th Street. I'm proceeding across 9th Street and over toward 10th in our fantastic Four Vegan Restaurant Challenge. Uh, this is because this is a rather unique spot in Philadelphia and possibly in the United States where four completely vegan restaurants are within a remarkably short walking distance. And I'm going to underscore that remarkably short walking distance by walking uh, the distance from the first through the fourth of these. We're now proceeding west on Cherry Street, and we are armed only with an eye river and a bottle of water and this map where I have marked out my supposed path. We'll see if that holds up. The concept behind this challenge is it's a friendly challenge. I'm hoping uh, any other podcasters in any other cities who say, you know, we've got a great density of vegan restaurants. Uh, give this a try and see uh, if they can beat this time for four vegan restaurants anywhere in their area. And we're now waiting to cross 10th Street and crossing it. Looking south, there's the great Friendship Gate, very colorful, uh, what some people call the Arch, because it's right by Arch Street. That was the backdrop we used for the photo for the cover story I did uh, a few years back when we had the uh, Chinese, uh, the Chinatown conference here, uh, and I'll, I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Here we are at Cherry Street Vegetarian. Boom. Touching that door, just to make it official. That's at 1010 Cherry Street, and we are continuing to proceed west on Cherry Street, uh, past restaurant supply stores. Now, of course, there are a lot of restaurants around here, I have to admit that. Um, however, this being Chinatown, a uh, great many of them are vegan-friendly. I'm only counting the ones that are actually vegan restaurants, but in just about any of these, uh, you can go in and get tofu and or um, some kind of mock meats that most of the restaurants do to some extent or another. And now we're up to 11th Street. We're turning north on 11th. And right here at 129 North 11th is Kingdom of Vegetarians. Boom. Now that's the third. 
Now, all we have left is our fourth, Singapore. And we'll see how long this four restaurant challenge takes. You can hear that I'm not exactly ambling. I am trying to make good time, but I am walking consistently, not running. So, I guess want to lay those ground rules in case some marathoner decides to do this in another city and manages to run in this amount of time a great distance <laughs> and make it to four. I still don't, I still doubt that they're going to be able to find four, but we'll see, we'll see. We're, uh, we now just turned eastward on Race Street. We are passing a spot across the street where Singapore used to be. Uh, they just moved. Uh, when I say just, they moved a few years ago down the block. Also across the street is Chung Mei Food Market, uh, where there's a lot of good uh, food shopping for vegans and vegetarians, uh, with uh, a lot of great produce that you don't see uh, tofu in the big vat, so forth. There's 1010 Race, which is where the conference was held. Uh, back in 2002 and here we come to Singapore and when I touch this door it is exactly five minutes so that's the challenge here in Philadelphia it takes five minutes to walk the distance to four different vegan restaurants. Um, so anyone out there, please, I hope somebody will try this. If they try it and fail, well, that'll be good because then Philly's number one. But if they try and succeed, then that's all the better because that means there are even more vegan options out there for everybody. All right. All right. Thank you for that report, Vance. So that's the challenge. Four vegan restaurants in five minutes of walking in any North American city. Uh, and I had just gotten this ready to uh, compile when I heard uh, the Vegan Freaks latest podcast where they're on their way back from Toronto talking about all the great vegan restaurants in Toronto. So maybe... Uh, if there is anyone podcasting in Toronto, uh, doing a vegetarian podcast, uh, they may be able to beat this. If anyone does uh, beat this or even uh, gives it a good shot, I promise to play uh, that clip on uh, VegCast. And um, I feel at least safe for a while because uh, Bob and Jenna uh, were driving all the way back from Toronto. They're not going to rush back to Toronto to to do this even if there are such restaurants so closely situated there so uh, they'll have to find somebody else or somebody else will have to step up to uh, take that challenge so we'll look forward to seeing what happens Veg Science Okay, on this edition of Science Fact, we look at the study 
on coffee and antioxidants. Uh, you may have seen this where a researcher uh, from the University of Scranton had announced that the largest amount of antioxidants in the American diet comes from coffee. Uh, and I thought this would be a good one to illustrate a uh, how mainstream journalists sometimes should spend a little more time researching uh, scientific studies before uh, summarizing them, much less opining on them. Because the Philadelphia Inquirer uh, decided to do an editorial where it summarized the study this way. Ah, the joy of it all. Sitting in a Starbucks last week, sipping an espresso, a macchiato, and spotting a news story that proclaims that coffee has far more antioxidants than anything else we eat or drink. That is not what the study said. It may have been what the news story said, as there were several news stories that got this wrong. And I suppose it's a subtle point. Uh, but the study did not say that coffee itself has more antioxidants than other food or beverages available to us. It said that we get more antioxidants from coffee than we do from other food or beverages. And what's the difference? Well, that was made clear in a uh, story from the uh, Cavalier Daily, uh, which is apparently out of the University of Scranton, uh, which summarized the story this way. A University of Scranton professor claims Americans get most antioxidants from coffee. Uh, and then it goes on to say, dates, red grapes, pomegranates, and other fruits are richer than coffee in antioxidants, in addition to f providing fiber and other nutrients. But Americans do not eat much fruit in comparison, according to Vincent, who is the uh, fellow that did the study, and quotes him as saying, we drink more coffee by weight than we do fruit and a little less than vegetables, a stinging indictment of our diet, in my opinion although I do drink one cup of coffee for its caffeine effect. Um, and, of course, the Philadelphia Inquirer, in its editorial, having made this error, goes on to try to talk people out of relying on coffee for their antioxidants by saying, Finally, other sources such as fruits and vegetables may be lower in antioxidants, but higher in vitamins, minerals, and fiber which are of far more nutritional value. Well, that's all true except for that lower in antioxidants part. Uh, and then they go on to say, so yes, spinach and asparagus still trump coffee for healthiness is not taste. What they meant to write was apparently for healthiness if not taste. But a Freudian slip made them uh, declare that healthiness is not taste, which of course is uh, part of the bias in not just uh, American media, but in all mainstream culture, where we can't believe that something that is healthful is also tasty. And I thought uh, this was especially uh, interesting because this exact same error is sometimes made in the case of milk, where it's declared that milk has more calcium than any other food source available to us. Um, and in this case, milk, of course, is very rich in calcium. And the other, the plant-based food sources uh, do, uh, the ones that are close to it are usually like right on one side or the other. Uh, however, the, uh, the, what most people are actually trying to say is that Americans get 
more of their calcium from milk than from anything else. And it's the same thing. It's not that uh, milk just makes more calcium available to us. It's that we drink more milk than we eat fruits and vegetables. And so I thought it was uh, especially relevant to bring in that uh, if you're drinking uh, coffee with milk, you are probably losing any antioxidant effect. Now, not everybody does. Many people drink their coffee black, but a great many people also uh, drink their coffee with cream uh, or a dairy creamer uh, or a non-dairy creamer, which, uh, as we'll find out in our, our next segment, may not be completely non-dairy. Uh, but I wanted to cite one other study from a couple years ago about chocolate, where the headline here is, Dark chocolate has health benefits not seen in other varieties. And it goes on, Dark chocolate, but not milk chocolate or dark chocolate eaten with milk, is a potent antioxidant. Report Mauro Serafini, Ph.D. of Italy's National Institute for Food and Nutrition Research in Rome, and colleagues. Their report appears in the August 28th, that's August 28th, 2003, issue of Nature. Antioxidants gobble up free radicals, destructive molecules that are implicated in heart disease and other ailments. And then quotes uh, Ms. Serafini, Dr. Serafini, I guess, Our findings indicate that milk may interfere with the absorption of antioxidants from chocolate and may therefore negate the potential health benefits that can be derived from eating moderate amounts of dark chocolate. So, if you're sitting in a Starbucks sipping an espresso macchiato or any other of their uh, milk-infused beverages, you're probably not getting any antioxidant benefit, and you're probably better off just going ahead and eating more fruits and vegetables, which are naturally rich in antioxidants. And you may actually discover that, in some cases, healthiness is taste. Science fact. All right, it's now time for the first VegCast book review. Uh, This is a book called Vegan Freak, Being Vegan in a Non-Vegan World. It's by Bob Torres and Jenna Torres, and it's published by Tofu Hound Press. They sent me a review copy, and my correspondent, book reviewer Vance, has filed this report. Take it away, Vance. Thanks, Vance. When your biggest complaint about a book is that it should have been longer... It's what you might call praising with faint damnation. And indeed, there's plenty to praise about Vegan Freak. Bob Torres and Jenna Torres hit on all the major issues of being vegan in a non-vegan world, maintaining a youthful vernacular and straight-talking style that makes Vegan Freak a standout among vegan how-to books. Those of you familiar with the Vegan Freak's weblog will not be very surprised by the tone or content here, but... For the world at large, this is a refreshingly frank new take on the intro to veganism genre. On page six, the authors say that, quote, we wanted an author that wasn't afraid to be irreverent or to say, and there's the first of several F-word instances that spice up the conversation, proving they are the author they were looking for. They also explain, quote, We wanted a book that spoke to people like us, young, with punkish, radical leanings, and primarily into veganism for ethics and animal rights, unquote. And this is exactly the book they wound up writing, one that both coaxes new and would-be vegans to go ahead and take the plunge, and also passes on tips to established vegans about navigating a culture which, no matter how reasonable, sensible, and sane your lifestyle is, 
you're still officially a freak. And so the book ranges widely through a diversity of topics, including the best way to go vegan, arguments that do and don't work, the hell of family food celebrations, vegan travel, and even vegan sex toys. They list which brands of beer are vegan and caution that some non-dairy creamers actually contain milk ingredients. They urge vegans to stand up for our choices and be resolute. Meek vegans suffer becomes a mantra by the book's end. While there are other more reflective passages, such as the real power in veganism is in its multiplier effect. In all, the authors keep the tone lively and fun moving through the vegan landscape at cruising speed or faster. And... This is where that complaint I mentioned comes in. While this keeps the book from getting boring, I often found myself wishing that they had provided just a few sentences more information or perspective on a given topic before jumping exuberantly onto the next. At 150 pages, there was certainly room for the main text of the book to be longer. There are 20 more pages of helpful appendices, in which I should mention for full disclosure, my blog is listed as one of the resources. And although there aren't any glaring omissions overall, the result is sometimes a more superficial treatment of something that would have benefited from a more in-depth, fully researched approach. The best example of this is in the section on B12, where the advice quote, take a supplement every now and then, unquote, was criticized by Dr. Michael Greger, as the authors explained on their podcast, for not being rigorous enough and for downplaying the seriousness of adequate B12 intake among vegans. Uh, another stumble, though not, of course, in the same league, is pointing readers more than once to Payless Shoes as a good option for cheap vegan shoes. I'm assuming Bob and Jenna bought at Payless in the past, but have recently been getting shoes from Honest Goodness uh, vegan shoe companies. Hooray for that! But, in my experience, Payless over the past few years has had fewer and fewer vegan shoes, as they now often take the same cheapo shoes that used to be entirely synthetic and add a leather strip or something like that to uh, in an attempt to upscale the shoes, then in the progress, in the process, make them useless for vegans. And I know this is a small point, but let me expand on it. Payless used to have, back in the 20th century, a variety of non-leather shoes, including a black dress sneaker and a white canvas shoe, in addition to the Nike, Reebok, Adidas knockoff, Du Jour. Uh, those have all but disappeared, uh, and to make sure it wasn't just my local Payless store, I checked one before writing this in upstate New York, somewhere in Bob and Jenna's general vicinity. Just as with my own outlet, they sold neither the vegan dress sneaker nor any canvas sneaker, but they did have one pair of shoes that was vegan, and as they were having a two-for-one sale, I wound up with two pair of these Nike Reebok Adidas knockoffs, so all's well that ends well. In uh, So to return to our actual review, and uh, to sum up, one might wish the vegan freak had been a little more thoroughly researched, a little more in-depth about some issues, but hey, as Donald Rumsfeld would say, you go to war against mainstream consumerist culture with the book you have, not the book you wish you had. And despite any of these quibbles, I can honestly say that Vegan Freak is worth a read whether you're considering veganism or are already there. It's an ambitious task to try to write for both of these constituencies. And although it sometimes results in a bit of a scattershot tone, the authors ultimately pull it off with verve, with attitude, and with conviction, and wind up with a book that may well serve as a bridge to veganism for an entire segment of the population who have so far 
uh, been all but ignored by our movement. So let me say to Bob and Jenna, to Veganaise and Pleather, rock on, dudes! Back over to you, Vance. Okay, thank you, Vance. And now we're going to have some music. This is a song which, if it had just been written in response to the Hurricane Katrina flooding, uh, might come off as a little bit uh, insensitive or crass or whatever. But I assure you that it uh, it is not prescient or anything. It uh, was written two years ago, and it just happens to use uh, some pretty common, uh, dare I say, obvious um, metaphors and imagery to get across the the question of what we're going to do about water and the uh, situation of people needing to have fresh water to drink and yet uh, our culture continually uh, despoiling our own water uh, and of course the uh, the flood in New Orleans uh, was a pretty dramatic uh, example of that, but uh, as I say, the song is more of a general uh, look at the situation, and so here is Green Beings with Water, Water. It's all 
And on that unsettling, melodious note, it's time to wrap up this edition of VegCast. Be sure to check back with us next time when we'll have more music by vegetarian musicians. We'll have another science fact, and we'll have the second half of that interview with Dr. Michael Greger, uh, where he focuses on vegan strategy and discusses his now infamous assertion that vegans should just lay off the whole honey thing. Veg and we'll also have a report from an event which is going to be happening next week. I want to let anybody who's in the Philadelphia area know about this. It's Public Eye Artists for Animals, the opening reception for their new show, Blessing of the Animals. This will be Friday, September 23rd from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Allen's Lane Art Center. That's at Allen's Lane and McCallum Streets in Mount Perry. And I'll be there uh, hoping to get uh, some sound of that event and talk to some of the people involved. And maybe uh, I'll see you there, too. But until that point... Uh, this is Vance for VegCast. Get out there and live like you mean it. VegCast.